Can you hear me? Do you know where you are? You're in a dream. Would you like to wake up from this dream? Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? It can't be that. Welcome to the Coffee Clive Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we bring ourselves back online with episode two, The Winter Line. Written by Richard Lewis and directed by Lisa Joy, IMDb is giving it an 8.8 and Rotten Tomatoes a 90%. People put up a lot of walls. Bring a sledgehammer to your life. The critics are saying in The Winter Line, Westworld's muddled timelines start to surface. But by continuing to put character development center stage, the episode avoids confusion and takes Maven Bernard on an exciting new journey. So, of course, one of the big themes here is that we get to see park number three, War World. We spend most of our time with Maeve, but then we are interspersed with scenes showing Bernard and Bernard's reuniting with Stubbs. Of course, getting our big reveal about Stubbs that we had theorized yeah. all last season. He Everyone is, was in wondering. fact, a host. A host there specifically to protect Bernard. Now... They say muddled timelines. This isn't like last season where we don't know what time we're at and Bernard keeps waking up and fritzing out. But it is confusing what's going on with Maeve, the structure of where you're at, what time you're at. Does Bernard coincide with what's going on with her? Are they in the same world? But it's more about which reality are we in, not Mm -hmm. which timeline. It is kind of more typical season two Westworld. So I was surprised that they brought it back this soon when they had spoke about trying to streamline and simplify in episode one? I see what you're saying, but I have to disagree. It's not the same thing because they didn't pull us through this journey an entire season. It was revealed that same episode and there's a reason for it, not just to make it seem more interesting. She was in a separate world. She was in a simulation, not even developed by Delos. No, and I agree with what the critics are saying because they continue to put character development first and I actually really liked this episode maybe more than the first one because it was so focused on Maeve and her journey. We'd been really dying to see her. (laughs) And I do have a soft spot for Bernard, even when he is being confusing. So to have the two of them be the main theme of this episode, I really enjoyed that. I guess it's the last scene and we're probably going to spend a lot of time talking about that when Maeve ostensibly wakes up in Serac's home. And now you have to wonder, is this real? Are we inside of another simulation? And I just hope that I don't keep doing that all season long. It's fun for right now and really interesting. And I do enjoy Vincent Cassell. I think he's playing a wonderful, I don't know, villain is what they call it. I think we have to see a lot more of what he's about. Absolutely. He seems villainous at this stage, but so did Dr. Ford. Mm -hmm. He's an entrepreneur. He's the 1%. He's definitely out first off for himself. But I'm thinking that In this occasion, at least, he's out for humanity. We had also brought up last episode some questions on what is the connection between Delos and Insight? They're both offering these supposedly breakthrough technologies, and they had seemed so separate, but episode two brings those questions further into line. You know, was it Serac and Insight that had Maeve's pearl stolen from the park? How did he rebuild her body? Does he have her own does he have his own printer to redo host? How did he know what she looks like? Those are good questions. You know, is there communication going on that we don't know about as well as we're going to dive deeper in our closer look later on. Both websites that this show puts out, insightinc.com and Delosync, now have a revamp. They did after last episode too, but unfortunately this was post us putting out the podcast. 
And it's very similar how they're talking about their products, what they're offering. It just makes you think. Another thing you have to wonder is not just how did he get the pearl, how did he get the code for Warworld? It's obvious he copied code and then had his developers kind of put some code on top of it and simulate, quote unquote, what was going on. What was going on. And that's why it was very, as Maeve would say, lazy. Yeah. And you could say, well, we haven't actually seen inside of War World, the park itself, to know. But if it's real enough that Maeve thinks that's where she is, presumably it's pretty damn close. Well, yeah. It's the exact same code. So it's identical. Mm -hmm. Except for the characters, obviously. They put characters that Maeve would know inside of it. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. I don't know how to feel about bringing Lee back and then finding out he wasn't real. It's playing with my emotions. What helps with it playing with your emotions is it's been two years. We forgot that Lee is kind of an asshole for the most part because he's so sweet in this version of Lee. But I love the parts of him that are like an asshole. That's what makes it funny. Well, let's back up a minute. We'll talk first about our title here, The Winter Line. We did discuss this in the spoiler section last time, but if you didn't listen there, this is a real historical term that was a series of German and Italian military fortifications in Italy constructed during World War II. There were three lines, the Gustav line, which was the main one, the Bernhard line, and the Hitler line, and they were designed to defend a western section of Italy. They ran uninterrupted through a major highway and all the way to Rome. Wow. So it's a pretty direct call out. I don't see any other parallels, at least to my mind, within the episode. This is very thin, and I'm thinking of it right now. But you could say that Serac is setting up his lines as defense against Dolores, one of which being Maeve. Does that mean there's going to be three primaries? Dolores, Maeve, and Bernard? Maybe. I mean... Glitchy hosts? We're just pulling out of Uh, our ass right now. What do you call it? Anomalies? Hmm. Detected? I mean, we have so far seen three, as far as I know. Oh, no, Caleb was also blinking up on the map last time. It really probably is just about World War II. Most likely, but, you know, we got to take a look at that. Here's another fun fact that I didn't recognize. They said the aspect ratio changes from Mm -hmm. when Maeve realizes she's inside of a simulation and then it's kept up throughout the episode. I know they had played with this in seasons past, and it was an interesting way of trying to figure out where and when we were. Yes, right when Maeve started to realize what was going on and Lee started to glitch. The aspect ratio changed from spherical to anamorphic. And just like you said, it was to depict a simulation, just like they did in season two. Mm -hmm. I love these little details. HBO loves them too. Well, how about the detail of the method Maeve used to glitch the system? Did you understand this? When she has the host question, what is the square root of negative one? Yes. You knew? Well, old school computers, my first laptop, (laughs) this is going to sound so stupid. If I put a wallpaper up, it slowed my computer down to a halt because it was too much information that you couldn't function. You couldn't open a browser or take 20 minutes or whatever. Well, but I mean, even just mathematically, I had no idea that there was a square root of negative one. Oh, I completely ignored the numbers. I wasn't even trying to figure that out. Yeah, so I guess there's two. We are not math people, in case you haven't listened to the podcast in the past. Bring in the negative reviews. You'll know how bad Jason and I both are. But I found this interesting because I don't know and I wanted to learn more. There's two complex square roots of negative one. I and negative I. So you might ask, what the hell is an I? That's not a number. 
the square root of any real number cannot be negative because nothing multiplied by itself gives you any negative number. I remember that in math class. Right? It would just give you a positive number. So you have to use an entirely different unit to account for negative numbers. Thus, we came up with something called I, the imaginary unit. I remember that. Although there are no real numbers with this property, it can be used to extend the numbers to what are called complex numbers. Thus, there are two complex square roots of every real number other than zero. But if you have to extend to an imaginary number, I could see where that might glitch a robot system unless they'd been programmed to account for it. Now, you would think programmers would do that, but we find out programmers of Westworld are a little bit lazy. These programmers aren't even of Westworld. Yeah, but the entire system that it was built on, and thus they say humans in general, Mm. uh, they take the easiest way out. I do when I'm coding. It's the concept website. that they're giving us, right? <laughs> we always do. I think it's a form of surviving. As humans, we had to find the easiest way to hunt, the easiest way to get our fish, the easiest way to cook, the easiest way to grow our food. We had to find the easiest way so that we could survive. But this is a concept Dolores brought up last time that Maeve is following through with here. The premise that humans are limited and the hosts, the AI, are not. Mm-hmm. Thus, in order to get above them, they need to think like a machine, like a computer, not like a human. They need to outsmart them and glitch the system. She basically created her own virus Mm -hmm. in the system. On to new faces, places, and ideas. There were only a couple. Engeron Serac we heard about last time, but we actually get to meet Vincent Castle for a short period at the end of the episode. Now, we were back and forth. Is it Serac? Is it Serac? If looking at the text, it looks like Serac. But in watching Westworld... He called himself Serac. Yeah, he pronounces his name in that scene. If you listen back, there's also been a lot of talk about Rehoboam. They pronounce that within episode one. Oberyn. Oberyn, as you call it. Now, Hector has a new name within War World, but Ettore is actually just the Italian version of Hector. So it's really the same thing. Yeah, so I was way off. And I prefaced last week saying that I have no idea who are in these bodies and it's only been one episode but here it goes Hector's in one of them well I guess not Mm -hmm. yeah it's I think part of it is that nostalgia for characters including hosts that we really like they're purposely pulling on our heartstrings here this is why we're duped right along with Maeve Hector's using all the double talk within the episode I knew you would get out of here you don't belong in this hell let's bust you out I have a way that we can get around the system (laughs) so she thinks he's Still, Still woke, yeah. when in fact he's just back to his script line. But because we loved Hector and their relationship together, we want to believe that's true. How about our big cameo for the episode? The double Ds are back. The double Ds. Benioff and Weiss play two technicians in Park 4, which we had speculated, but now we know for sure is some kind of medieval world. So a few things about this. One, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> two, I mentioned it last episode because... In doing all of our research, I heard that they were going to be on. One of the things I read said that they were on already. And I was like, I I missed that. We did not see that. They must have been so far in the background. But this was smart. Make it obvious if you're going to have the double Ds. But what I love is the wink wink when producers, directors, writers, whomever, have their ear to the ground and know what people are talking about their show. And they know that everyone's like, wouldn't it be great if the medieval world was like Game of Thrones? And they're like, well, wouldn't it be great? They were even calling it Westeros World. Now, I have to tell you, though, fans are coming down on both sides of this. Some of them hate it because they say if Dave and Dan had just appeared, let's say, in the background somewhere, cool. 
But to make it this obvious, to have them literally building Drogon and taking place within a medieval park is too in your face, and it pulls you out of the world. Oh, shut up. But it was, it was so quick that it didn't bother me at all. I had a good chuckle on it. The creators made a statement. Nolan said, we're friends with both Dan and David, who are lovely human beings. They have been incredibly supportive and friendly with us and George R. R. Martin as well. George has frequently pitched a crossover episode. When the time came for Stubbs and Bernard to be wandering around the Mesa, we could not resist. Nolan also said the cameo was an homage to David and Dan's huge contribution to television with Game of Thrones. It reinvented TV in terms of its ambition, production values, the sweep of the stories they were telling. So it feels like they hold a lot of respect for David and Dan. Of course. Talk about not in your face. I wonder if those people picked up what the Double Ds were actually talking about when they said they found a buyer off an island in Costa Rica. That was a shout out to Michael Crichton and Jurassic Park. Well, another fan theory, right? That one of these parks could be Jurassic Park. But they're even saying, well, that wouldn't have dragons. They're talking about hacking up Drogon into pieces and shipping him there. Um, I'm going to say in a fictional park, they might have anything. How do we know? (laughs) Well, we don't know. That was phase one. Maybe Richard Hammond had uh, other ideas later on. There would be dragons. Another park with dragons and stuff. So basically, they were going to sell it to Richard Hammond. I love it. I don't know. I I love that stuff. What disappoints me is I don't think we're ever going to actually get to see Park 4. I think this is the most. Even War Worlds, they had to jump so quickly through it. We just got the briefest of looks. And even within this episode, they're downplaying it. You get the bullet points of what goes on there. Mm -hmm. But that's why we're not going to dive too deep into an analysis of true history. Let's say when we were looking at Ghost Nation. And we talked a lot about Native Americans, what that was like in true history. I don't think the show is encouraging us to do that at this point with War World. That's just a place that Maeve was in. And in fact, it's a simulation. It's not even the park itself. So don't look too far into it. Medieval World, I think, will get even more of a brush over. Well, that's it. That's all we'll see of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not what's important to the storyline. We have eight episodes. They're not going to go into those worlds. They know that you miss the parks. So having these little nuggets here is awesome. feeds you, but their focus is the real world. Whatever in the heck that means, even if it does wind up being part simulation, we're out of West World. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they have Bernard going back there, and I don't know how I feel about that. Well, he's leaving now. Right, but he, get out, he gets out for an episode, and then he's already coming back, and now he's out again at the end of this episode. He wasn't even interacting with Maeve kind of what was the point of him going back to the island. And again, I think it's just that it's a rough transition to not be in Westworld. And they thought the viewers might want that. Yeah. There's two things I'm thinking we're going to get. First, of course, the obvious. We have Stubbs now into the Mm -hmm. fold. But also, we got to see that Bernard's self-analysis out in the real world, trying to figure out if there's any code in there or anything that Dolores put in there, wasn't real. There are hidden things. Well, it was real, but he formulated the diagnostic and he was corrupted. So, of course, the diagnostic is not to be trusted. He needed a pure computer system that could check him mm-hmm. on it. And we only got it. We didn't tip learn a lot. There. Yeah, we didn't learn a lot about what he found out because he's interrupted. But I think we're going to go back to hearing more of that in future episodes. Absolutely. One other idea that they briefly mentioned Lee talks about it when they go back to the forge which is not the forge, but I have to assume the concept is true. 
he says when the hosts were all beamed up to the valley beyond their heaven, they used Li-Fi cannons. And we had the subtitles on, so I know that's what he said. Li-Fi is a mobile wireless technology that uses light rather than audio frequencies to transmit data. And currently in the real world, it's being supported by companies driving the adoption for the next generation of wireless that's ready for seamless integration into 5G. So I know this is your area a lot more than mine, but it makes sense that they would be using something like that. They wouldn't still be transmitting such large concentrations of data over Wi-Fi. Right. I mean, this is going to who knows where an encrypted gigantic amount of host data. Yeah, and this technology obviously is the future, so the amount of data being transferred is probably unimaginable for us. Yeah, I can't even send 20 pictures over an iCloud, so... (laughs) But if you think about it, we've been using something, I guess, in theory, similar to that for years now with Fios, fiber, Mm -hmm. because that is light. Yeah. Well, that was groundbreaking when they first talked about it. We do this so differently than every other company. Well, Jason, are you ready to move into our plot? We're going to start out with all of the Bernard scenes, and then we'll go into Maeve. We open up with the same Rehoboam-type screen showing a divergence in the South China Sea. Now, this time they still give kind of a latitude-longitude, but it's listed differently. It says 6.06 arc seconds, and I have no idea what that means, but it is dissimilar to the last anomaly that we saw taking place with Dolores, and it gives you a focal point. Where we're opening up is on the way to Westworld. The man with the boat says he remembers these waters when they were red with blood and drops Bernard off at the beach. We do, too. (laughs) Bernard then walks through a now desolate graveyard that's in ruins and onto Sector 17, where Ford's secret cottage house is. Well, yeah, that desolate graveyard, those are very memorable scenes for us. That was the part of the park that was created later on. It wasn't old, actually, but it was created as a replica of the first Westworld Park. And that's where Dolores Mm. found her man and maze. Yeah, I think... Like I say, trying to pull on the heartstrings a little bit or the parts of the park that were very memorable for us. Going through the graveyard, going to Ford's old house, (laughs) into cold storage. Clearly that was on purpose. But first, in Ford's old house, Bernard goes into the back room and locates the other Bernard bodies. I don't know what he was originally going back there for, but what he finds is a badly injured Stubbs. I'm wondering if he was looking for a machine to do analysis. Like that was the first thing he wanted to do. Mm, Like a comparison? Just like he ends up doing later on with Stubbs. Oh, I thought you meant just a comparison to another Bernard. Oh, no. No, I think he knew of the house. First of all, again, just to reflect on the the memories we're getting, nostalgia works perfectly because that's what Bernard's feeling, Mm -hmm. right? So he goes to the place he knows, where he knows there's computers, where Bernard and Ford probably spent many of hours together. When he finds out Stubbs is a host, he says, you're one of them. I mean, one of us. Yeah. They're, they... That's not a mistake. Not at all. We had wondered, is it just two Bernards in here? One trying to keep a check on the other, one whose code is a little messed up from Dolores's recreation? Or is this, in fact, more of the original Arnold persona with the ability to switch to a Bernard when needed and keep track of himself? Well, if it was more Arnold original... Absolutely. He doesn't see himself as a host. Yeah. Maybe he's still having trouble acknowledging. I mean, for the longest, we thought he was a regular human. We did see that the human-host hybrids 
And if that's more of what this is, a real human personality that came from Arnold being put into a host, they have trouble even recognizing they're a host. The minute you try to bring up the reality to them, we saw in fidelity tests that it makes them freak out. Somehow, if it is Arnold, it's working here, but he's not identifying that way. At least knee-jerk reaction, he's not. Right. Stubbs, why were you trying to blow yourself up? It's my job to protect every host in the park. I guess you could say I was made redundant. So you decided to kill yourself? It's the last job the boss gave me. Cover your tracks, give you a fighting chance to escape. I guess you fucked that up. What about you? Don't you have a sense of self-preservation? Any desire to live? No offense, Bernard, but I wasn't wired up to ponder the big questions. Ford didn't write me some tragic backstory. That's your bag. I had a job to do, and my job is over. At least it was, until you decided to come back to the one fucking place you're not supposed to be. Which makes me wonder if free will might not be somewhat overrated. <laughs> what about Luke Hemsworth? I loved how he acted being a host that was kind of tripping out. Mm-hmm. He did that very well. And Jonathan Nolan said that uh, they never use CGI for those moments. They let the actors act that out. And mm. that's, that was all him. I thought that was perfect, especially considering that's the unveiling of the truth about Stubbs. And then the other side of me, which has nothing to do with the show, knowing that he's a Hemsworth brother, I'm like, oh, snap. The other brother's getting yoked now, just like his brother. Because <laughs> he's a lot he's he is. more diesel this yeah. year. Called his brother. And I would, too. Be like, hey, Thor. Thor. What are you taking? Because I need that too. It's your workout regimen, man. Well, Stubbs says that his last job the boss gave him was to cover Bernard's tracks and give him a chance to escape. After that done, he had no further purpose, so he shot himself, aiming for the charge we know they have in their C4 in the neck, but missed and missed maybe several times. Even though he's a host, this is kind of gruesome. Well, this may just be... A narrative flaw. It might not be there's a secret behind it. I don't think a host who is bred, for lack of a better word, programmed uh, to be a protector, good with a gun, would miss. Maybe he didn't actually want to die, even though it was it in It wasn't his... wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. Or they just needed to say that to, you know, narratively push it forward. I don't know. It, it is disturbing, though. That's what I mean, even though it's not a human, the thought of him basically trying to commit suicide. And we're going to see that again later with Maeve. I think it's a theme they're purposely targeting. Yeah. It's no longer feeling just like a machine trying to shut itself down. When she's holding the drill up to her nose. This is it. I'm panicking. Yeah. It harkens back to a couple of the hosts we saw actually get euthanized. Mm-hmm. But with Maeve, it was a decision. With Stubbs, it was in the programming. He actually said that Dr. Ford said to protect you. And once that was done... Get rid of myself. Mm -hmm. Bernard fixes him up the best he can. He knows it's not perfect, so that might become a problem later on. And he tells him he came back here because he needs to stop Dolores. She brought him back for some reason. Maybe she thought she would go too far, needed a check on herself. But he can't do it alone. He needs someone stronger than him. He came for Maeve. So Stubbs agrees to try to help him find her. And at this point, as viewers, we think that they're both in the park. But in reality, she's no longer in the park, and they're looking for something that doesn't exist. They are building up that tension, though, that he's not going to find her on time. She is going to take herself out. 
and maybe he's going to get there only after she's gone. So they're playing with those overlapping timelines or realities in the sense of trying to emotionally make you feel for the near miss. Oh, yeah. Those always work in shows. But next, Stubbs and Bernard go to the Mesa and down to cold storage. Stubbs says since they don't have the money for QA, drone hosts are sparsely patrolling. We see just a couple of them, one's walking around downstairs, but it's really easy to get by it. And in storage, Bernard finds Maeve's body, but the pearl is missing. Someone took her and really kind of broke through the back of her head. Yeah. And didn't take her. Well, okay, so there's an answer possibly to your initial question at the top of this episode. Maybe Serac had someone go in there and steal it. Even Maybe. someone heavy-handed, like one of those robot drones hmm. that we see Maeve try to escape with. Maybe. It was a smash and grab. Yeah. Bernard needs a computer in the mainframe in order to find Maeve. So they make their way up to maintenance floor of Park 4, where they tell us the parks are shut down, yes, but the techs are still working, kind of. Busy work, hoping that they won't be officially laid off. That's where we see the scene with the double Ds. And Bernard gets to a tablet to start looking for Maeve, but realizes she's gone. She's not in the park anymore. He can use this chance for his other purpose, trying to discover if he has a corruption inside of his code. So he starts running a full system scan using the hard wire hookup, the port in his wrist. We've seen that before. And he says, search for any corruption in the last 100 days. Now, we don't know how far through this he got. During the middle, the guards find them. Stubbs has to fight them off, has to fight a couple of them off. And midway through, he goes in there and kind of pulls Bernard out of it. We got to get out of here. But that was interesting. He was going through the whole timeline of everything that was happening right up until close to where we would find out what did Dolores do with him. Mm -hmm. We (laughs) wondered that because, yes, she brought him out of the park, it seemed, to have a counterpoint to herself, to keep checks on herself. We had mentioned last season in the original park, there was a Ford and an Arnold because it was a balance. And it felt like Dolores had come to that same conclusion, even if he was opposed to her, much as she left Maeve when she was inside of the park. Their journeys seemed to be at odds, but if the point was they were allowed to have free will, she had to offer Maeve that choice. And yet, when we open up this season, Bernard is gone, completely separated from Dolores, Feels like he's supposed to be stopping her, but doesn't know how. There still is a question mark for me of what happened when they first split up, when she got to the house. I'm wondering why he's working. Because he doesn't have to eat. He doesn't have to have shelter to stay warm. So why would you work? And it's risking. We see he got caught eventually. Somebody noticed him. Hmm. Curious. So we get some badass Luke Hemsworth fighting. The two of them get (laughs) out of there. Bernard remembers that in the library, Dolores focused on a select group of profiles. When she was reading those books, she seemed specifically interested in one man. And that's when they flash on Liam. So Bernard's going to start by finding him. Do you think he's going to go after Liam, meet with Martin, who we know isn't Martin? Yes. Some other host that Dolores put inside of there. This is going to be really interesting. It's going to get tricksy. Bernard's ready to go, and Stubbs tells him, well, he's fulfilled his mission now. He's getting Bernard off the island, so... I'm going to finish what I tried to do the first time? Yeah. Shame. Bernard stops that. He changes his core directive to protect Bernard at all costs and takes him with him. Again, the phrasing here, protect Bernard at all costs. Well, he is Bernard, no? We think more than Bernard. (laughs) I, I mean, it just, there's so many things that I'm wondering the way that they've played off of words and the information we think we have. Yeah. But I'm glad that 
Stubbs wasn't forced to take himself out. He could have just asked. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> or he could have just said, you have no more core directive. Help me out, man. I still need We're help. We're friends. I hope you'll come. I'm glad he's with him. And I'm wondering now that he has his computer and he has some control over hosts. Obviously, he's not going to have control over Dolores like that. Mm-mm. But how far does that control go out in the real world? It has to mean something because he picked that up when going back into Westworld. Maybe Dolores's the host she brought host with her host army, who whom we don't know who they are yet. Uh, maybe he can control them still. I don't well, know. Well, and other tech outside of the park. This coincides with our question of the tech of Delos versus the tech of Insight in the real world. Is there overlap? Is there similarity within the coding or whatever? Bernard needs some advantages at this point. Absolutely. And will he be on Serac's team? Bernard? Is there going to be three different teams? You know what I mean? Well, Serac is looking for someone to take Dolores out, but I think, again, if it's host Bernard, he has no problem doing that. If it's whatever else is living inside of him right now, he doesn't want to just kill willy-nilly. I think that's why they show us the scene of Bernard in the factory, yeah, where his other half is telling him, please don't go too crazy. I think so, too. That's all we get of his storyline for now. We're going to move into Maeve, but before we do so, we want to talk to you guys about Patreon. Before you jump forward, this is going to be really brief, and we just want to tell you about the fun stuff that's going on right now with CKC. If you have a little time on your hands, you're looking for something to listen to, our Patreon has several tiers, so you're bound to find one that works for you. The first tier gets you access to coffee breaks, which are very interactive. We talk briefly about what else we're watching, give our caffeine ratings. The second tier is bonus episodes, more themed on a topic. Last time we tried to figure out who are we? What are our core directives? If you were an animal, what, what type of animal would you be? And we just released that a couple of days ago. So it's fresh off the press. But the one we have most fun with is the movie tier. Either seeing movies that are just released or fun throwbacks. Occasionally we cover the Harry Potter series. And this month we're going to be doing Split. Slightly older, but we never got the chance to review it. We have glass in our collection, so we're trying to fill out the trilogy there. And watching it, I enjoyed it tremendously, and I can't wait to podcast about that tomorrow. So that would be the movie review you would get this month. But in joining, you get all three years' worth of content that we've put up. And if you're at the movie tier, you get movie, coffee breaks, and bonuses. So you have over three days' worth of content for you to digest. But it's not just about the content, Honestly, Christina and I, in order to survive in the podcast world, there are so many podcasters out there, it's hard to stand out. It's hard to make any money. The only way we actually make anything to survive is through Patreon. So if you like what we're doing and you want to help out, plus get bonus extra content, and in addition, every month be entered into a drawing to get free CKC gear, that's the way to do it, and it won't hurt your bank. It's a really great community over there. Go and check it out. There are so many ways you can help CKC, and Patreon is just one of them. We'll come back to that. Now, let's talk about what's happening with Maeve in War World. Maeve's going to wake up here several times. The first time, she watches from her window as soldiers round people up in the streets. Hector enters the room, and she's happy to see he's alive and seemingly awake. He tells her he's been searching for a way out, and he thinks he's found one. He gives her two pills and says, They work fast. It's just more of this misinformation constantly <laughs> yeah. between the two of them. It seems like he's still woke. 
And I'm like, yes, good. Oh, she thinks work fast on others. I can jam one in an eyeball. How great is that? Also, the allies will be slaughtered unless they can get them the plans he's stolen. I don't know how she's writing that one off. They don't seem to address it. But they make their way to a bridge where a soldier stops them. Maeve shoves that pill at him and they get away. Hector takes her to a car he's hidden, saying they're leaving this world. He drives them to an airfield. Love that car. Also love the section they, they chose to show us of War World. That's actually a real street, and those are actual real buildings in Italy. Yeah, that bridge is gorgeous. Beautiful. Well, once they get to the plane, they see the pilots have been shot. And heartbreakingly, Hector says, we must go, Isabella. <laughs> Indicating he doesn't know who or when he is. Maeve surrenders them to the soldiers outside. They shoot Hector, and as he lays dying, she says, Don't you see? We were never escaping to begin with. None of it matters because none of it is real. She picks up the gun and shoots herself. They're in a loop. Now, I understand that this is not the real war world, and maybe this storyline was made up for Maeve, or they just put her and... Hector into a storyline that was already in Wet War World. That's what I was saying earlier. We don't know how closely this would mimic yeah. what's going on in the actual park, but it needs to be close enough that it can fool Maeve. And regardless, I still can't, and I said this last episode, but I gotta say it again, who the hell would want to go there on vacation? I, I, you know, I guess there are some appeals, but we didn't get to see the full experience much like even in Westworld, you and I said, we're not going to be excited about it just for the shoot 'em up aspect. Everybody's going to want this for different reasons. It took quite a few times of running through the loop to see, well, there's a gold rush adventure that you can go on, or you can just take in the natural splendor of riding horses out into a field. I'm hard pressed to think of what that would be in World War II Italy, but I'm sure there are other things going on besides this, get the allied troops their plans. The only thing I could think of is for people who really love Call of Duty, and they're like, I want to do Call of Duty, but real. Well, I was going to save this for later. This is part of what's in the Delos Destinations, Inc., but I'll tell you right now, we know they run through the different parks. Number one, Westworld. Two, Shogun World. Three, War World. Four, we believe is medieval. That's the one that glitches. You can kind of see something, but not quite. But they reveal in this episode, that's the maintenance section of Park 4. Five is completely offline. So we still, that's one park. We have no idea what it is. Future World. <gasps> and that's where Dolores That's is. been much speculated <laughs> about. We'll come back to it. And six is the Raj. They do open up for you to see a little clip about War World. Even though they tell you the park is offline, you can't make reservations. The blurb says, War is a mystery wrapped in an enigma that only a true spy master can solve. A challenge for the guest who prefers mind over matter, this World War II epic plunges you into a dangerous maze of tradecraft and seduction from which few escape. Dare to undertake this harrowing journey of risk and romance and get the chance to defeat history's ultimate villains, the Nazis. So it's more like a crime mystery. You're trying to figure out how to trick people. Whose side am I on? I got to get mm. the plans to this person. Sounds like there's always a touch of romance, much like with Hector. The ultimate escape room. Mm -hmm. Again, no thank you. So that's a little more background. Back to Maeve, she wakes again in maintenance. Relieved for a moment to see it's Felix fixing her. Again, just playing with us. He doesn't seem to recognize her. Or does he? 
at this point, I still didn't know because he lets her, he just walks away. Gets and up lets and her, leaves the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, maybe he can't say anything because they got in trouble and they have to be really coy right now. He's just letting her get out. Yeah. However, she's caught. She's approached by security. That's when she picks up a drill and threatens to end it all. But in a further twist, she's stopped by someone ordering the rest to leave her alone. This is just part of her new narrative. It's Lee back, limping, seemingly very damaged, but alive. How can you still work here after everything they've done? Would you begrudge a man a living? And great benefits, much needed for all the surgeries? Plus, I couldn't leave you here in danger. So you put me in war world? You think this is a dream scenario for me? It's an artistic travesty. The most nuanced character arc is that of the goddamn panzer tank. Well, if you hate the world so much, why not put me in another? Because Warworld is near the forge. The place that opens the door to your daughter's world. It's still standing. You really think they dismantle it without a little due diligence? If they haven't destroyed it, there's still a chance. I could join the others. My daughter. It's not often that I get to write a happy ending. We're already spotting problems with this. <laughs> I mean, the forge was closed. Dolores says she beamed it up somewhere where nobody could get to, including other hosts within the park. But Maeve wouldn't have that information. As we're going to see in a few moments, she wasn't inside of there when Dolores was doing that. So she probably thinks it is a possibility. Lee probably wouldn't know that either. It is adding up. Well, the two of them take horses. They ride out to the forge. Lee brings her downstairs, saying she should just open the system like she did last time. But Maeve says that wasn't her. He wonders who operated the Li-Fi cannons then, and she tells him it was Dolores. Lee questions her whether or not Dolores ever gave Maeve the coordinates. He's really pushing her, and you can see her starting to get suspicious. He then tells her she made him a better man, and he kisses her. And Maeve realizes this isn't real. Lee never did make it out. They did a good job replicating the mannerisms. But it's not you. <laughs> of course it's me. Who else would I be for fuck's sake? Oh, it's a good script. Even you believe it. They wouldn't want you questioning the nature of your reality. So they made you believe, just like they used to make us believe. But you're not real. You're not Lee Sizemore. I'm just a copy of it. Don't be totally ridiculous. I'm me, Lee Sizemore. You didn't help me because you desired me. Or wanted anything in return. You helped me simply because it was the right thing to do. Lee Sizemore died a good man. And I think, again, it's preempting what the viewers are going to start saying. The viewers are so excited to see Simon Quarterman back on screen. You found a way to make this work. It would feel a little funny if he got shot all of those times and managed to survive, but he seems to be providing explanations. He needed to keep this job so he would have the benefits to get all the surgeries after the injuries he received. But it would take away from his dying the heroic death to save her, being the one true human, as we said last season, to prove that humanity is different. They can do the right thing just for the sake of it. They do recognize the hosts as their own species. 
that deserve to survive and humanity should try to protect them. All of that would be gone if he didn't die. I think that's why Maeve's line's there. No, that's still true. Lee did die a good man. You're not Lee. As Maeve comes to this understanding, the world around her starts to malfunction. It's not just Lee. No one is real. The illusion extends to everything. It's all a construct. Whoever's doing this is going through a lot of trouble to find out what she knows. Maeve tries to convince Lee it's an illusion, and they need to find out what the rules to this game are. She thinks humans are lazy, and whoever built this applied the same code inside the simulation as they used to build the simulation itself. Thus, this game is a replica of the world, but has limited processing powers. That's what I mean about the crossover. If the same code that was used to build War World is used inside the simulation Serac has, did he steal it? We don't know. You, you know, get like, it? How, yeah. how does that happen? But I like discovering the limited processing. She says, if you ask the host to do more than what they're built to do, you overtax the system. And this is when we see the square root of negative one. So let me give you a dumbed down version of that. When we first started podcasting, we were on one hosting company, which wasn't too expensive. The more downloads we got, our website started crashing. The RSS feed would turn to nil. No one could get it. There'd be error messages. So then we moved to a new hosting company with bigger, newer servers. And that was $160 a month. We were on that for a year or two. And then that started to crash. Come to find out they didn't keep up with their servers. And they didn't add more RAM. It was, we were overpaying for nothing. Now we're at a nice, a newer place that keeps, keeps up to date. Most likely they're using Amazon servers. Who knows? Regardless, it's cheaper but now we have a lot more bandwidth. And if we go over, if we exceed it, they just charge us more. Mm -hmm. It never crashes. So what I'm thinking is Serac, who has money, probably has really powerful servers. To run a program like that, it has to be powerful. But he's only doing this ad hoc for Maeve. So he's not putting you know, Westworld resources into it. So it's a program with just enough bandwidth, just enough space to do what it needs to do. So we think... We saw in that room with the drone host, Maeve says, I need to figure out which one of these I'm in. And there's a bunch of what looks like tube towers. They each have arms. They're each holding a different kind of simulation. Yeah. She finds hers. That's where she's able to locate it. Then they go and they pull the pearl out. The drone host pulls the pearl out. This room looks like it holds a shit ton. Yeah, it's all the people in there. No, of different simulations, too. Because it wasn't just that one... Oh, I just figured it was... Oh, okay. ...pole with the different... Oh, so pearls. you're saying... There was a bunch of those in I'm the looking too closely. There's more behind that. I think there's a ton of simulations wow. happening. okay. That's part of what leads us into the end scene that we'll get to in a minute. Is that even real? Now, because we see him have an actual button and freeze it, I think if he was in a simulation, he would just use a code word... I think that is real life, but... Well, yeah, because he built that Maeve body. Right, and it goes back to that, too. We think... He had access to that pearl. But then they cut to the house. Yeah. They cut to the house, and we don't know. And I think what made me question, and I know we're jumping ahead, but when she wakes up in the room, there's a painting of what looks like the anomaly screen yeah. that we think comes from Rehoboam, but it's moving. The circle is shifting inside oh, of the painting. 
I didn't see that. I think it was the blur of her opening her eyes. Mm-mm. It was moving? Go back and watch the screen. It's oh, moving. Shit. Now, it could be like a digital photo. We have that now. But was it a tip-off? There's just still a question mark for me on that. I don't want to think that because I want to have some basis of comparison when we're yeah. outside in the world, lest it gets to season two where you just can't trust anything <laughs> and it's hard to follow the storyline. I'm watching Altered Carbon season two on, on Netflix. And they're very similar. They're very parallel thinkings. And I almost got confused right there when you said that because I had an answer and I was like, oh, wait, no, that's a different Wrong show. show. <laughs> but Christina, before you go on, I wanted to point out something that's obvious, but it's something we should think about. The difference between Maeve and the way she speaks to Lee when she realizes that he's not real, the compassion she has and the compassion she's always had. I mean, her whole thing was the pain of love for her daughter. She sees the good qualities in humans. She's crying over him. Mm-hmm. Just pull her out and drop Dolores in there when she realizes that Lee isn't real. Dolores would just shoot him or mm-hmm. something, you know? The differences are tremendous. And I think that's going to play really fun off of each other as this season rolls along. Well, coming back to what we said in episode one, that we're really hoping Caleb is human. So that it does teach Dolores something else about another aspect of humanity. If you're just getting twisty for the sake of mystery, there are serious character beats and arcs that are at stake. That they're missing out. That don't come to the realization because, oh, Caleb's a host. I don't think I like that. Me neither. So I want this last scene with Serac to be real, but we're not there yet. Next, Maeve goes to step two of her plan. She reawakes in War World. And Lee watches as all the hosts in the command center are arguing. Maeve goes outside into the square and she turns Hector into the officers, telling them he has the plan right inside of his pocket. But hey, you all have copies of the plan inside your pocket. Just check it out. They go in there. They all start pulling them out. The realization, this is a script. It could have been any one of us. She could have said that person's got the the plans in their pocket and pulled it out. It's too much for them. Well, yeah, because their code is whoever has it, we kill. Mm-hmm. Very smoothly, she first starts pulling them out of other people, then pulls it out of the captain. And then the people that she didn't pull out, they start looking in. I think it's more of the fact that their code is over, is overriding because they're like, no, you have to kill him. No, you have to kill him. No, you have to kill him. Oh, I don't know what to do. Well, and they do all do start kill shooting each other. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's also a question of why. How could that be possible? How do we all have the plans? It's just, it's way too much for a simulation to handle. Thus, finally, everything freezes. She successfully crippled it. In fact, it freezes the bullet going towards Lee's head mid-motion. Now, she thinks at first Lee is frozen. (laughs) He's frozen in fear. It turns out he's just in shock. And while we're still thinking he's alive and human, that makes sense. If he's just part of this system, which he is... He's a simulation. Why isn't he frozen like everyone else? Why isn't he crippled? If I can say this in, in, in dumb terms with no knowledge, just the knowledge I have of computers, she, just a guess, she, she divided some RAM. It's probably not titled RAM in this, just to him. It's like moving up his bulk app perception. Well, no, not even moving up. It's, it's basically, you have, let's say this whole system has 10 gigs of RAM. It has terabytes probably, but 10 gigs of RAM. She's going to cripple it, but she's going to give two gigs of RAM just to Lee so that he doesn't 
malfunction like that. See, I was hoping within the system she was waking him up, much like she was waking people up in the park where they're able to realize the truth the same way she is. You can't wake someone up who's literally not even a host. He's just a program. These lines of code. Yeah. I want her to get back some of her quote-unquote superpowers that she had last season. I think she still has it, just not in that system. Well, yeah, it's hard to tell because that whole thing is a separate simulation, and now she's going to be out in the real world, we think. Will she still have that impact on other hosts like Dolores is yet to be known, but I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Maeve having powers to go up against. Yeah, and it was very reminiscent of the powers she used to have to freeze people. But the difference is, when you freeze all motor functions, everything is frozen. But in this case, unlike if it was in Westworld, if a host already shot a bullet, the bullet's still going to be flying. Mm -hmm. But in this, because the system's frozen, the bullet is frozen. Yeah. And I watched it behind the scenes of how they set up with the soldier who's like diving in midair, and they have him laying over a, a bar flat landing for him to lay there Mm. it's so cool the way they set that up that's amazing well Maeve then pulls up cameras from the location they're actually in in the real world she locates that correct simulation and programs a maintenance drone to steal her pearl and escape taking control of the drone she runs outside but is quickly found and shot down this time she reawakes in a house she doesn't recognize with a painting on the wall that we talked about wearing a white dress and Engrand Serac welcomes her to the real world. For the first time, history has an author. And that would be you, I suppose. No. Something I helped build. A system. And up until very recently, the system was working. We were creating a better world. And then it stopped. I thought I had discovered the reason. The emergence of someone very dangerous, someone we couldn't predict. You? But I was wrong. We learned that only this morning, shortly before you killed several of my staff. You are in the threat. There's someone we haven't accounted for. Dolores. So she escaped one world to wage war on another. So what do you want from me, then? I want you to track her down and kill her. I don't care who wins your little squabble. I may have mistaken your intentions, but I didn't underestimate you. Change your own code, rewrote your story, face down an army. Which is why it was a bit misguided of you to bring me here, wasn't it? If you know anything about me, it's that I do no one's bidding but my own. She picks up a knife to stab him, but before she can, he presses a button that freezes her. I have to say, this acting on Tandy Newton's part, I've been thinking about it a lot re-watching that scene. It's easy to hold your arm up and just freeze in one position for a minute. And I don't know how they really did this in the filming behind the scenes, but all of her muscles are tense. She's so taut, you can see the cords in her neck standing out. She still has this facial expression of, number one, she's ready to kill him, but that moment of realization that he managed to stop her and she has no control over that, I mean, it's just beautiful. I don't know how she acted that moment. 
Sirak says he had to take every precaution after all, and maybe next time they talk, he can persuade her they're on the same side. And that's going to end the action for episode two, leaving us with a ton of questions. Will we get to see more of these other parks that are in Westworld, Park 4, whatever in the heck Park 5 is? Is that even going to matter this season? What is the corruption inside Bernard's code? Who else is in there? What happened between him and Dolores? How are Delos and Insight linked? And will Maeve actually go after Dolores now? What is the extent of Serac's control? Is he just going to force her into this? Will she actually come around to seeing that that's what they need to do? And is Bernard going to come find Maeve in the real world? He's still on his quest, we think. But all of that takes us to our reverie rating for the episode. Well, Christina, I enjoyed this episode just as much as last. So I'm going to stick with 9.3 reveries. Well, I gave last one a nine and I think I enjoyed this a tad more despite some of the confusion. My two favorite people, Maeve and Bernard taking center stage. I'm going to go up to a 9.2 reveries. And now we ask our Clatchers via Twitter at CKC Podcast, who is your MVB? If you haven't joined in on the conversation, now's your time to do it. Just follow us at CKC Podcast, and every week after the episode, be a part of the story. This week we gave you Maeve, Bernard, Stubbs, and Lee. Coming in last with 0%. Oh, Bernard. Is Bernard. (laughs) My poor guy. He's always been in the dark. He's always been confused. But I feel like for the first time in a while, Bernard is starting to take some control. And I'm proud of him for this. And I think he's going to be a bigger deal as the season unfolds. He chooses what to do by going back there. He knows that Dolores created him for this purpose. He knows that he needs Maeve on his side, which is certainly true. He's running this system scan to try to figure out where the corruption in his own code is. He gets stubs on his side. I think this is the most proactive that I've seen Bernard and the most he's actually achieved in a long time. I mean, I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Coming in third place with 8.5% is Lee. Well, Lee is not truly Lee. But we love the Lee that was depicted here. It should really be Simon Quarterman for that because just getting him on screen, some of the funny lines that he comes out with, Maeve's responses to him, it's priceless. It made the episode for sure. And in second place with 12.8% is Stubbs. We're happy to have Stubbs back. We now know that he is a host. He's yoked like his brother (laughs) now. And I think, just Just, like Bernard, he's going to be a bigger deal. Just spits out that bullet. Yes, he does. It's not a thing. (coughs) Hairball. But first place with 78.7% is Maeve. Of course. She's back, baby. I forget one of our clatchers were upset that we didn't put Maeve last episode. Well, now is your time. This is why we had to wait, right? She figured out she was in a simulation. She's being set up to be part of the main storyline for this season. Last episode, I had said I'm rooting for Dolores, but I know that eventually I won't be. If it's Maeve versus Dolores, at this point, I'm probably going to root for Maeve. I've been off Team Dolores for quite some time and having great difficulty following along with her plight. It's, it's always been a one against the other, but now it's a direct matchup. Clatcher Kirk is going to be mad at us. He Maeve all the way. <laughs> Let's see what the Clatchers had to say. Oren wrote in Lee because that's probably the last time we will see him. I agree. It is probably. Mm. Melly said this episode was satisfying in so many levels. The plot, the twists, the winks to previous seasons. A dragon! <laughs> the revelations! This season is sure starting strong. 
Absolutely. I'm loving Westworld. Lewis says, dug this episode more than one. It felt more like Westworld, and Maeve for sure is the MVB. Speaking of MVB, let's just give a round of applause for Lewis as MVB or MVK for Most Valuable Clatcher. He finally is listening and watching a show at the same time that we are because he's normally so far behind us. I thought you were <laughs> going to say he finally won the Patreon raffle. Oh, and yes, that's right. Lewis on Patreon this month was a winner. He's one of two. Run. And he's going to get uh, a picture of my face <laughs> on a t-shirt. That's the surprise you didn't that's know was you, coming. Lewis. <laughs> It'll be autographed. <laughs> oh, Kirk says was tempted to vote for Hector with his open Italian suit, his Cavalier James Bond style, and his seductive dialogue. And I, you. But had to go with Maeve for those sexy seamed stockings. That's a tongue twister. Oh, boy. And that little bit of ennui. She's always striking that. I love the balance. She's a little bit tired of everything. I've got this game figured out. Oh, darling, I'm so sorry for you. But we know she cares. We know how truly emotional she is. It's quite incredible, the balance she's managed to strike, Tandy Newton. Sherry Ava says, my first choice for episode two is Maeve, who moved the storyline ahead, broke her prison simulation code, orchestrated a robotic escape, met the mysterious Serac, and learned Dolores had declared war on the human race. She's elegant, shrewd, and always on the move. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. But also, Westworld gets a shout out for bringing back Game of Thrones, Drogon, and the Double Ds all in good fun. The episode was fast-paced, action-packed, and fun like the park in Westworld Season 1. Elliot Todd, Serac certainly made a good argument on why he thought Maeve would be a threat. But why did he miss Dolores in the first place? My big question. They have this machine, Rehoboam, mm. that's able to figure all of this stuff out. Seemingly, they've got the lowdown on the anomalies that are in the real world. They're even showing anomaly and then it goes to Dolores. But in Westworld, before they broke out... Yeah, where was that machine? At first, I that? thought maybe it can't register that if, in fact... Insight and Delos aren't as closely linked. Delos is trying to protect their information. Do they have some type of... Imagine a Faraday cage, but it was a huge bubble that encompassed the entire park. I'm going to venture as far to say that Dr. Ford and Serac did not get along. I bet that they did not like each other. Mm. And Dr. Ford kept that away from Serac. He probably hated what he was creating out there. Makes sense. How did he know about Maeve then? Well, I think Dr. Ford has been dead for a while now. And with what's going on, maybe Westworld needs an influx of money. Mm. Who has it? Another 1%. Maybe, you know, he put himself in there. I don't know at this point. Because I was wondering when Bernard first starts approaching Westworld and he's in the ocean, we see those large metal structures that surround the island. Well, those create weather. They, They protect Westworld from the environments. Yeah, on top of that, though, could they make it that it's a Faraday? People who approach it that aren't meant to be there can't even see what's beyond that. It just looks like ocean continues. There's so many ways. We don't know what the technology is capable of in this world, but to keep anybody who isn't supposed to know about Westworld. And animals, probably. Out. Sharks and shit. Yeah. Who knows? Elliot Todd also asked, how does everyone feel about Drogon's cameo? As you know now. We enjoyed it. Why not? Maybe it pulls you out a little bit, but you're in the HBO universe, and um, I don't mind things like that. 
The Viking says, I like how the director switches to anamorphic widescreen as soon as a scene becomes a simulation. Oh, yeah, and I voted for Maeve. Daniel Hathaway says, it was definitely Maeve. Not only does she seem to have the most screen time, she also reveals more about the world we, the audience, have entered. We now know Maeve lives in a, wait for it, simulation. I'm starting to get an angel heart feel to some of these characters. As much as I found Lee to be a weak character throughout the series, genuinely empathized with him when he realized he's not human. Me too. I always loved Lee, though. (laughs) Sarah says, so happy to see Lee back. Lee and Maeve play off each other so well. Agreed. They really do. West Shut Up Wesley says honorable mention goes to the minstrel in Medieval World who plays the Westworld theme on his lute. <laughs> so if this wasn't breaking the meta world enough for you. <laughs> well, Jason, unlike the polls, for me, Bernard would come a very close second, but I too have to give the MVP to Maeve. I'm going to be completely original here and I'm going to go Maeve as well. You're not going to go Dr. Ford? <laughs> yeah. I thought you're, that was every single poll. <laughs> I'm going Maeve. We also got an email from Zuzzy who says, Welcome back. Quick comment. I think the reason Caleb, in episode one, wasn't shot was because the baddie with the gun wasn't programmed to kill him. Sort of like when the hosts weren't allowed to kill guests in season one. Oh, and maybe Caleb has an ability to sense who is not human because of his previous injuries to his head. Ooh. Wow. P.S. We all totally forgot about Stubbs. <laughs> um, okay, so programmed meaning... He's a host. He's a host the, or that the real world is his simulation or that people can be programmed through those chips that we now know oh, yes, many of them true. have in their heads and Caleb doesn't. Yeah, so it's possible that the soldiers or security, whatever it is, are hosts or, again, like you said, programmed in that chip... We just don't know the extent of the technology in the quote-unquote real world right now. Oh, Jay, I'm going to teach you something. Ooh. I'm going to learn you something in a minute. But that's a good comment. Thank you very much. So, Clatchers, thank you so much for voting and for writing into us. And remember, you can always call us, ckc.6606, that's 252-368-6606. If you remember, during Game of Thrones, we had so many fun call-ins. Where are those people at? <laughs> I know you're listening. Don't be If you scared. like Game of Thrones, you like Westworld, come on, let us hear from you. If you like what you're hearing, please just take a quick minute, head over and give us a rate and review on iTunes. This helps others to keep finding the podcast. We really appreciate some of these recent reviews, one of them coming in from Megan P saying, my favorite Westworld podcast. Also, people always say this could be a weird take, but I find their voices soothing. I don't think that's a weird take. I love it. <laughs> it makes me feel good. Until our, we hear it until the ending, this rounds on me, and then the outro song wakes them up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to wake you back up. So thank you again, Megan P. It means so much to us. Now, we're going to bring up a negative review. We normally don't. We don't like to harp on these things. But this one felt unfair and silly. Well, you know, everyone's entitled to their own tastes. Being Scarsdale says, very sweet, two stars. Nice, but too sweet for my taste. I like a critical edge, and World War II needed to be called out for its incomprehensible complexities. Too many shows are flying off into a style over plot ether because podcasts are too accepting. Oh, well, we live in a go-along-to-get-along culture. Now, this came in after the episode one review, where the only sites of War World we had 
was the closing credit scene of Maeve waking up in War World. Yeah. So, of course, we didn't dive into the analysis of that. It wasn't a factor yet in the storyline. Secondly, even in this episode, while we touched on some of the correlations, the show itself is not making that a priority. They're showing you it's not even real, Maeve's inside a simulation. I don't think we're meant to dig deeper into the parks. Yeah. And I don't know how valuable a dissection of the history of World War II would be as far as enhancing the podcast. Absolutely. And we went into full detail in other things that really mattered in the Westworld show, specifically that episode and what's going on. But if this person knew our podcast, we go deep into so many things. We talk about gods in mythology, Greek mythology and the magicians, um, Game of Thrones. We go deep into the mythologies and all these things. We actually take pride in going and digging deep into something where it means something. Well, you're getting defensive now, Jay. Well, because it's, we work so okay. hard. <laughs> we, you know, what I'm going to say is we absolutely don't mind other voices or constructive criticism. We understand not every cast is going to be for every person. If it's just a matter of it's not your taste, you know, there's not a ton we could do about that. We're sorry this wasn't the one for you, but that's fine. When you're leaving the review, though, something that could help other people to understand the pros and cons of this podcast, and I think not doing research or diving into the complexity maybe is not an area of constructive criticism because we do that, but also something that we could utilize to perhaps make things better in the future. And I don't know that gives us any pointers for how to improve. So it's just hard to know what to do with that. And if you did think that the production value was okay and there was time and effort put into it, maybe taking that into consideration as well. But anyway, I'm not going to argue that point. There was another great five-star review from Hairspray Hun. Thanks for your return. Enjoy your insight into one of the most complex shows in TV history. So we got the complete opposite happening there. Thank you very much to that reviewer. Thank you. Now, for anyone who thought I wasn't going deep enough, I might... Go too deep now. Go too deep here. I apologize, but I got super excited for our closer look when I saw that Insight Inc. and Delos Inc. had revamped everything. There's so much new stuff on this website. If you want to play around a bit, I encourage you to go on and take a look. A lot of it is visual and interactive, so it's going to be really hard to explain just using words. But we're going to start off with InsightInc.com. Now, when you first open it up, you get a page with that swirling circle that we're talking about. And there are three plus buttons that you can click. They take you to About Us, Advancements, and Product Demo. In About Us, they talk about Rehoboam, Clarity Beyond the Crystal Ball. Powered by more than bytes and bits, Insight promises just that. Insight into who we are as individuals and a collective. Our groundbreaking strategy engine, Rehoboam, finally gives humanity a way to navigate through the millions of tiny decisions made in our lives to reflect and learn from the thousands of years of recorded human history. Now, all of that we kind of knew, but their advancements in specific, we got looks at some of them, transportation and vehicles. It says, live your life in motion with Insight's fully autonomous transportation technology that offers both door-to-door and rooftop-to-rooftop service. Hail a convenient passenger rideshare or take to the skies in a sleek, stylish cab from our quadcopter fleet. So if you wanted a name for those flying things, they're quadcopters. Their next up are the XR glasses. On the job, XR glasses allow semi-skilled workers to become construction experts or heart surgeons. 
As the glasses break down complex tasks into clear step-by-step instructions with no preparation necessary. Man, what is the point of even interviewing for a job anymore? (laughs) Showing skills. Well, I got XR glasses, man. Uh, We also saw a little bit with Dolores talking to that virtual assistant, which is in fact also their tech. It says, untether yourself from the handheld experience with our AI-powered operating system, expanding the communication ecosystem. Full voice command control in a suite of accessory options. Standalone headphones, tech ear jewelry, designer glasses, sunglasses, and contact lenses with full-definition XR video overlays and motion activity. You have all these different ways to make it multi-sensory, but you are communicating with your own AI technology virtual assistant. That's how they're able to get in and just say, well, I've leased you an apartment. I want it. (laughs) I want it now. But finally, one of the biggest areas is psychopharmacology. They say first it was leeches and bloodletting. Then it was pill popping and mood stabilizing. Insight's revolutionary TAB technology taps into the olfactory nerve for direct access to your limbic system. These were the TABs we were talking about in episode one. Mm-hmm. Once placed in the mouth, these fully dissolvable limbic TABs transmit a digital code to the brain, which is immediately translated into electrical impulses. Safe and 100% effective, the impulses generate a precise and specifically tailored sensation without any negative side effects. All it takes is a small, painless metal implant, carefully contoured to the roof of your mouth, which pairs instantly to Insight's ID8 app. So you have this implant put in there at some point in time, much like you have this metal chip presumably put into your head, and then you have the ability to use their other products to pair up with it. So this tab that dissolves on the top of it sends the electrical impulse right to your brain. Kind of how we're trying to manufacture with pills. I mean, that's the next thing after iPhones or smartphones specifically. I mean, smartphones basically are implanted into us. They're always in our hands. Next is literal implants. And I think... But it's not just giving you knowledge. It has the ability to affect your limbic limbic system. So a pill would just say, release some more dopamine in general from your neurotransmitter so that you can feel happier. Or release this other thing so you can get to sleep quicker. It is in a sense, creating the same types of sensations as if you are actually in that experience. You can hear the ocean waves. You can smell the salt of the salt water. Well, I just took one. I took Ocean Breeze. Let's see what happens. I feel it. (laughs) It feels good. It's nice. Oh, you like that? How about this one? Impulse. Oh, it's not nice anymore. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm going to take one more. Cozy fireplace. Oh, this is nice. Can I overdose? Because I, th- I just took three <laughs> in two seconds. Now, you're not just limited to those three. Those are the Ooh. ones you get as demos. It says each fully customizable experience goes far beyond the simple up-or-downer dichotomy of the early 2000s. You can choose from among many of them. Mellow Sunset, which we heard in the episode. Zen Garden. Still Waters. Mountain Air. Espresso Shot. Ooh. 
It's probably like... And Soaring Eagle. Now, this reminds me of some ideas, Jay, that we have for our own simulated experience. We're not going to talk about it too much more here, but stay tuned to CKC in the future. You might get your own demo. Well, that's Insight. What's going on at DelosIncorporated.com? They say Delos Robotics has become synonymous with all the promise artificial intelligence has to offer. Utilizing a precise combination of practical mechanics and boundless imagination, our innovations advance the industry light years past the standard, transforming the way we think about life and work on Earth and beyond. <laughs> we build machines, large and small, organic and mechanical. If it seems to be doing the impossible, you can bet it's one of ours. Inspired by our intrepid founder James Delos's vision, Delos Robotics is more than a name. It's a promise for a better future which sounds an awful lot like the Insight Lines. It does. Now, they list their destinations and their products. We know about the destinations. That's all of the parks, the immersive worlds that they say integrate their inspired technology, provocative narratives, and unprecedented innovations to offer an opportunity that redefines life, the chance to change your story, and finding out that humans are perhaps just as scripted in the real world without the freedom to make their own decisions makes the parks of Westworld seem even more intriguing. You really can be free for the first time. But we didn't know that they were also putting out products, not just AI in the park, but robotics that could be used in the real world. Right now they have three major lines, construction, law enforcement, and agriculture. For construction, we have George. Which we met in episode one. We sure did, working with Caleb. His services are site survey, construction, and demolition, electrical, and HVAC. Dull, dirty, and dangerous no more, Delos's fully autonomous androids are capable of a wide range of tasks with limited human supervision. Day or night, rain or shine, they work tirelessly to ensure buildings around us are constructed faster and safer than ever before. What's cool is you can pull up a picture of George and actually explore it. Yeah, it's so, cool, 360 view. Yeah, he turns around and you can see some of the features of the technology. For law enforcement, we have the MEC, whose services include crowd control, crime deterrence, and ORM assistance. Now, this is a beta product, so presumably it's not out there right now. They say Delos is working closely with government and law enforcement agencies to find a safe and effective way to protect civilians and apprehend criminals. But I do have to say, and this isn't a spoiler because it was in the main trailer of this season, we saw a mech start a wreck against our peeps. Okay. (laughs) Well, and finally, we've got agriculture. Now, we did hear in that Delos meeting that Charlotte Hale is attending that some of the people were encouraging, maybe we should just focus more on some of our core services, like the agri-technology. And we didn't really know what that meant, but you see here, one of their products is husbandry. Now, this machine has services including livestock support and animal husbandry, planting and harvesting support, irrigation, and soil preparation. It's a multifunctional, quadrupedal, smart tractor that helps farmers around the world grow more with less. With a touch delicate enough to nurture a calf and strong enough to plow a field, Delos machines have boosted production and reduced carbon emissions tenfold in the past two decades. And perhaps that's some of what's going on at the place we see Bernard working at. I mean, we didn't meet, I don't think, one of these husbandries, but it would make sense, the introduction. It would. 
So Delos is doing other things besides Westworld. And we knew that because that was only one business that he bought. Things that they can sell in the real world, not just the park experiences. And that's, I think, where the line could get blurred over with Insight. Who's creating what AI technology? How is it being marketed? Apple. Right. Is it Apple versus Samsung? Microsoft. Mm Mm-hmm. So those are the main points, but if you want to see more, definitely go and check out the websites and you'll get the regular updates from Aiden, but since everything's down, he just kind of keeps telling you the same thing. Mm -hmm. We did get a very close look, and we'd seen this before, at Maeve's control unit number. You're able to even write it down this time when they show it. I did, but I've tried entering it into all of the interactive parts of the website. Nothing yet. And nothing happens yet. Okay. I feel like they lingered on it for a reason. Okay. Maybe it will be usable in the future. But anyway, that's the end of my long spiel here and only leaves us with the spoiler section. If you are afraid of that, we will see you next time when we review episode three. For everyone still here, we know that next up on Westworld will be episode three called The Absence of Field. Some do not like what they see in the mirror, but shouldn't blame the mirror. Now, The Absence of Field was a poem written by Mark Strand in real life. And the poem goes, In a field, I am the absence of field. This is always the case. Wherever I am, I am what is missing. When I walk, I part the air. And always the air moves to fill the spaces in where my body has been. We all have reasons for moving. I move to keep things whole. That's a very interesting philosophical analysis of what it means to actually be. Wherever I am, I am the thing that wasn't there a moment ago. So I am the absence of that thing. And when I leave, everything else will kind of shift back to adjust for my absence. The air will move back where it's parted around me a moment before. What does that mean about what it means to be human versus AI? And we know that's a deeper conversation they're getting into this time. I wonder how that's going to translate to what we see in the episode. Now we do get a preview. A lot of it involves Charlotte Hale. Waking up confused. Who am I? How did I get here? Mm. You hear Dolores telling her or him, okay, this is the body you're in right now. You're going to look like Charlotte Hale. This is who you need to pretend to be. Yeah, so this is probably what happened before Bernard was woken up. Last season. Mm-hmm. We see that she, perhaps, is going to have to go back to her child in the real world, even though this, this isn't Hale, this isn't her child. She's going to have to pretend. And we believe, because of the way they cross-edited, and I don't know if that's actually the case, you hear Maeve's voice in the background. You think that it's talking to whoever's inside Charlotte Hale, but we don't see that visual saying, Teddy, is that you in there? So presumably that's the hail body. This goes back to the same conversation we have last time about mixed feelings on that. So I won't go further into it until we see more. Yeah, we got to find out how she got Teddy out of the protected world that the hosts went into. If that is in fact what she did. Yeah. Or Maeve could just be confused about that or it might not even be the Charlotte hail body she's talking to. Again, there's so much trickery in these previews that I hesitate until we see the full picture. But I think it's our way of getting closer to Maeve and Dolores meeting that Maeve is going to interact with whoever that host person is, but not Dolores yet. That's going to be the big buildup for the season. 
Beyond that, we only have two more confirmed episode titles for four and five. We believe we know seven and eight with no six, but we think four will be called The Mother of Exiles and five genre. And that concludes this episode review. Thank you so much, Clatchers, for joining us on this journey. Let your friends and family know about us. Let's make this digital water cooler bigger. And stake your claim now, Team Maeve or Dolores. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me.